Hey guys, looking for some new custom apparel for your next business bonding retreat, your next rush event, or to thank your employees with some new swag? Check out sunshinefits.com. Specializing in custom t-shirts, hoodies, masks, and hats, Sunshine Fits is the best place to get all of your clothing needs at the absolute best price. Nationwide shipping is available. Use the promo code PICKUPTHEBLITZ for 10% off your first order. Check out sunshinefits.com or email service at gmail.com for bulk prices. Sunshine Fits, put a little sunshine in what you wear. Bonjour, hello, and happy Tuesday evening, everybody. Welcome to the Pick Up Blitz podcast, the show where Guinness former high school history teacher talk a lot about football and very little about history. I'm Justin Heyer, here with the one, the only, Nick Bellotto. And today, as we're between week one and week two of the NFL season, we are going to recap everything uh, that happened, all the action from Miami Dolphins' first game of the season, victory over the England Patriots, and preview all of the Miami Dolphins things you need to know heading into week two. And we'll hit on some other uh, NFL stuff as usual as well. And uh, Nick, first things first, how are you this week? I am, <laughs> I'm exhausted. It's only been two days, but it feels like, it feels <laughs> like this week has gone on forever. Uh, so I'm tired, but I'm super, super uh, happy that Miami started with the W, which is something that hasn't happened a lot in the last few years. No, certainly certainly not. And a W in Foxborough, no less. Yeah. I mean, doesn't doesn't really get any sweeter than that in terms of uh, first wins of the season if you're a Miami Dolphins fan. Not not the most convincing of Ws, but a W nonetheless. Yeah, uh, definitely there there is I would say almost nothing convincing about it. Except, I think the only thing that was convincing was the defense's ability to generate takeaways. Um, other than that, there was really a, not a whole lot of anything that would, I don't know, that would really get you excited based off what we saw. Yeah, it's nice to get a win, but you know, both offensively and defensively, this team is nowhere near uh, good enough to you know, to make a deep run into the into the playoffs. I mean, based off of what, uh, hey, wait, let's not let's not get all down and dumb. I'm saying oh, I'm saying based on what we saw. And I was just about to amend myself before you jumped in there, right? I, it's based on what you we saw, right? If that is something we see over the next 16 weeks, there will be a problem. Now, I do not expect that to be the case, right? On the road in New England, uh, you know, first game of the year. I can't imagine there are going to be this, uh, similar problems going forward in the season, but there's still a lot of, for this team to to work on if it wants to be in consideration for one of those top dog in the AFC uh, positions. Right, right. You know, I think that's, that's fair. Uh, you know, I'd say one of the focal points that everyone was looking into going into this game was the battle of the Bama quarterbacks. As, right. Uh, as I called it in an article earlier today, it's just—I mean—that's that was the headline going into this game. You really couldn't avoid it. And when we left the game, when the game ended, and people were posting on Twitter, and people were writing articles and such, and blog posts after the game, all that seemed to be focused on was which one won the quarterback battle, who played better, Mac Jones, Tua. And to that, I say, who gives a crap? I don't really care. It doesn't matter. 
I mean, it was the fun storyline to talk about going into it, but all that matters afterwards is who had the W, right? It's not like one drastically outplayed the other anyway. In fact, most people were saying Mac Jones won the quarterback battle. I can argue that's not really true. He didn't win the game and only scored well, one touchdown, and it was just because the ref uh, decided to throw a roughing the passer flag on a, on, a, on a very, very silly penalty play call, uh, in, in my opinion. But I'm getting, I'm letting me get a little yeah. too granular off the bat. This has just been something that's been, you know, festering on on my uh, in my head for the past 24 hours. So I have to get that out of the way. But, uh, no, and I would actually co- love to come back to that pass, uh, that roughing the passer call yeah. because I have a lot of thoughts on that. Um, and not yeah, even – like if I saw that – so Max was in the room. If I saw that same thing in the Panthers-Jets game, I would still be really furious with it. Um, Do live. Be- because, because it's just absolutely insane. I don't know if we – if you want, I can – so I'm just going to say right now. I don't understand – It's our shirt. I, I don't <laughs> – that's fair enough. I don't understand how – Football players, specifically defensive football players, are supposed to just flat stop any type of momentum that they have. The f- defensive football players are asked to break the laws of physics to make sure that that the money makers in the NFL, the people that are the most recognizable on billboards and banners and on commercials, don't get hurt. And I think that's really dumb. And, and hurts the game because there is just no realistic way anybody you could take Landon Roberts and literally sub any defensive human in right to that spot and if they did the exact same thing there's no way they can stop and he didn't even hit him like if you if you're if you're taking Mac Jones right to the helmet on that okay that's one thing but you scuffed his shoes. Like, what are we? What are we doing, NFL? And how can you continuously call that roughing the passer, but nobody ever calls a chop block? So I guess the the shoelaces of rookie quarterbacks are more important than the knees of defensive stars. I think that's I, it's infuriating that the NFL has made that a thing. It makes the game frustrating to watch at times, for sure. And that's not to say that we're going to stop watching, and they know that. Um, but it certainly, it certainly makes it frustrating. And expanding that out, had that had that play not been called, it's very likely Mac Jones doesn't even score a touchdown in that game, right? right? Not to take away from what was an impressive debut start in terms of the fact that he was able to hang in the pocket, throw uh, some strikes under pressure, but... Let's be honest. I mean, it wasn't any less check downy as people seem to be calling to what then Tua's game. In fact, it was probably more so. Tua hit a few nice long strikes. In fact, had one of the highest aggressive pass rates um, in terms of throwing those and down the field of any quarterback this week. So you know, I'm not trying to just get into defend Tua mode, but listen, he won the game, and in my opinion, won that that quarterback battle too. That was one of my main takeaways from it, just because it was one of the biggest headlines. But if we're getting out of the headlines, there were a couple other very key takeaways that I'm taking from this game and looking forward to into next week with the Bills. I don't want to get too ahead of myself, though. So what were, what were, your, what were the things you were most impressed by in terms of the Dolphins coming out week one, going into Foxborough, playing a division rival? What were your main takeaway points, positive points, from this game? So... Uh... To just piggyback off what you were saying there um, with the quarterback battle, I do think that Mac Jones won, but I don't think it's as drastic of a victory 
that you know a lot of people in the media are claiming it to be, right? Because if you look at the stat line, yeah, he had better stats, but we all know that stats don't mean a damn thing, right? Um, but with that being said, I definitely thought Mac Jones looked really good um, for a rookie making his first start. Now he did have the help of an incredible defense, um, sorry, offensive line uh, that made his day very easy, and a lot of his passes were just trying to build rhythm for him. But if that's day one and things are only trending up towards him, uh, the, the Patriots might have their quarterback for the future again. Um, but in terms of the Dolphins, right, um, I really loved, you know, this, this just continuation of this defense's ability to, uh, to generate turnovers, like I said in the beginning. You know, all season last year, that's what they did, right? And we talked about it ad nauseum, about this was a defense that bends but doesn't break. Like, we will give you 80 yards, uh, but those last 20, 15, wherever you're starting, you, you're going to have to really earn them, and we're going to generate a turnover right when we need to, or we're going to force you into a field goal. So there are a lot of problems with that defense, and I would love to see them fixed, but it's good to see that we still have that turnover-generating ability. So on the defense, I love that. On the offense, I love just taking shots, even if the, even if we weren't converting them, right? I just love seeing Tua just rip it. And just, you know, let's see if we got something downfield open. And there were a couple times and it worked. And there was one play in particular where it shows up on the stat sheet as an incompletion. But, you know, we would have had a nice, really solid chunk gain on that uh, Jalen Waddle pass in the, in, um, on third down in the second quarter, which could have potentially generated another touchdown drive for this offense. He dropped the ball. Which, so, like just the fact that it looks like the offense is opening up and the coaches are no longer coaching scared, I think is a huge and, and, and like super necessary uh, shift from what we saw last year. Yeah. And they have the, the weapons in the line, uh, some of the line to, to do it. I want to go back to your turnover point. We heard all off season from prognosticators that wanted to say the dolphins were not going to be a playoff team because the reasons they won games last year are not sustainable, i.e. turnovers. And to that, I say, I don't believe you. I mean, a team that generates a turnover in 23 straight games is not doing so by accident. It's because you have ball hawks in the secondary. It's because you have coaches that are specifically teaching players to generate turnovers. One of the Dolphins' assistant coaches in a press conference after the game said that the first thing that the defensive players do every single practice is go through drills in terms of how to generate turnovers, punching the ball out of ball carriers' hands. That's the first thing they do every practice. Like this is not You don't generate a turnover in 23 straight games by accident. Now, that's not to say that the Dolphins are going to go the next 17 games generating turnover every single one, but it means that that's something that is a core facet of the defense, something that they teach. Same with the bend that don't break that you're talking about. That's something that they game plan and scheme for. The red zone defense of this team is very, very sturdy and very impressive. They will let you, like you said, drive 80 yards and then they'll make a kick, the field goal, which matters when you win 17-16. Right. It, it, it really, really matters. So I, I think that's something we're going to continue to see, especially when you see the Dolphins drafting and developing a guy like Javon Holland, who, despite playing only like 35% of the stats, was one of my stars of the game. 
He created a fumble. He was all over the place, and I'm really excited to see him get more snaps alongside Eric Rowan and uh, Jason McCourty as, as the team develops. But um, on your other point there, in terms of the offense and how they're opening up the offense, I mean, it was, it was tangible. It was palpable. You could see, you could feel it. They're telling to it, take the shots. I feel that's what they were practicing over the course of the summer. And like I said, they got the weapons that to do it. And we have Will Fuller now coming back or really coming to this team for the first time next week. I don't know if we're going to see him play his full complement of snaps coming off suspension and in an offseason where he practiced like once with the full team. But it's right. certainly going to add um, it's certainly going to add another, to use the cliche phrase, another element, another dangerous element to to this team. So I'm I'm really excited for that as well. One of my other takeaways from uh, from Miami's performance was the offensive line, and it was definitely it's a mixed bag of a takeaway. I was mostly impressed with with how Liam Eikenberg played at left tackle. The two holding penalties weren't great. When he fell over from Josh Uche's uh, sack, that was not on him. That's because Solomon Kenley stepped on his foot. Not that that's on Solomon Kenley either. It's just a very unfortunate happenstance. But I was impressed, and I know Brian Flores said Austin Jackson's going to start next week. I don't know how long he keeps that job, though, if he struggles, which he has been over the last year. So that's interesting that you bring up the offensive line um, as potentially a good, because I thought that the offensive line was, uh, it started off decent, um, but slowly deteriorated over the course of the game. Um, and no, I said mixed bag. Okay, mixed bag. and that's fair. It's just interesting you brought up Eichenberg because I thought he, I thought he was very met at best. Um, I did not think that he played the greatest of games, and I, I don't think the entire offensive line played the greatest of games. Um, you know, like I said early on in this one, you could see that this line they were playing well, and then it just looks like as as the you know Dolphins just kept taking drive after drive after drive, their play just kind of continuously declined. They weren't able to handle um, the New England defensive front as effectively, which I think helped to cause all of those, you know, three and outs or six and outs or whatever they ended up being where we didn't generate any points for a little while. Um, I think a lot of that was on the offensive line, not giving to a really much time. Um, now, now, again, it's week one, right? So if this is week, you know, 14, we're fighting for a playoff spot, that's a massive issue. But continuity, you lose your starting left tackle to COVID concerns. You know, uh, I need to see that line for another week before I get super upset about it. Although I was not thrilled about, um, I was not thrilled about it. I also will say if we're talking about negatives and, and this kind of, this kind of bugs me, but our, and I, I told you this was going to be a problem too. Um, we just, the middle of our defense, and I know that there's game planning involved. And I know that a part of this defense's uh, mentality is to, you know, allow yards in the middle of the field, take away the big play. And to, you know, an extent, I get it. But, you know, Mac Jones did a really good job just kind of carving us up in the middle of the field again. And I just, it bothers me that it is, it has been clear for years that the Dolphins have struggled to protect the middle of their defense. There's been investments into linebacker positions, and yet we still couldn't really do it. It also was a little concerning that we still couldn't generate a consistent enough pass rush to force a rookie to make some sort of mistake, right? The one time we did, he fumbled the ball, right? 
it was a little concerning that we couldn't get consistent pressure on on Mac Jones over the course of the over the course of the game. And I know that New England's uh, offensive line is really good. There's no denying it. It's very and it's a, a unit that's played together often. But you know there was a lot of potential uh, with Andrew Van Ginkle, Jalen Phillips, Emmanuel Ogba. And we didn't really see any of that come to fruition. And it was a problem last year. And if it's a problem again this year, you know, Miami's defense is not going to be as effective as it could be. And you're wasting a talented secondary for another year. The, the pass rush may very well continue to be a, a problem all season long. You know, but Jalen Phillips, he was another guy who was only in for like 30% of the right. snaps. He was also coming off a training camp injury. And I, it looks like they're going to be easing him in. I also listen. I have very rarely seen a defense, uh, rather an offense, an offensive line game plan around a rookie player who's playing a third of the snaps. But if you watch closer, you go back and watch some of these plays. Bill Belichick put two offensive linemen, or an offensive lineman and a tight end, or an offensive lineman and a running back, consistently on Jalen Phillips for like the twenty plays that he was that he was in the game, which. I think goes to show uh, a little bit of how the best defensive mind in the league thinks about Miami's incoming rookie. So if you want to draw a little silver lining from his ineffectiveness, I think it was one pressure on, on 20 snaps, which is not a great line. That's, that's a pretty disappointing line, but I think part of it was because they were purposely game-planning around him. Now, the caveat to that is, well, if they're putting two guys in Jalen Phillips, why isn't someone else generating the Right, where's Ogba? Where's Van Ginkle? Right. right. And, you know, Ogba was involved. He was certainly around Mac Jones uh, a fair amount, but like you said, not quite enough to force him to make a mistake, which means not enough. In terms of carving up the middle of the field, I think it also goes to say that, you know, that's a, the Patriots' entire offense was predicated on attacking the middle of the field. They were trying to give Mac Jones those easy dig in that place. And what that ended up leading to sometimes was like Jerome Baker covering Jacoby Myers or Landon Roberts trying to cover uh, Nelson Aguilar, which is never going to work. Um, so there were a couple of times where the Patriots managed to get these really strong matchups for James White on Andrew Van Ginkle, which again, not a great matchup for Miami. Um, and then you have linebackers. So, the Patriots did a good job of scheming matchups as they usually do. John Smith on a linebacker happened a couple of times. Um, so I, you know, like you said, if it if it ends up limiting the big plays and forcing them to matriculate down the field really slowly, and then eventually kicking a field goal, I'm okay with that. When that becomes a big problem, though, is when Miami does that and then goes, like you said, three and out, six and out, nine and out. Right which started to happen and where it really becomes an issue is when Miami goes hurry up offense, three and out, six and out, nine and out. Because then you hold the ball for 45 seconds and kick it back to your defense, which really becomes a problem. And so I don't know if you noticed, but the Dolphins, about halfway into the game when they started to go three and out, then they stopped doing the hurry up, which both helps and hurts. It hurts your rhythm, but it also helps because you keep the ball a little longer with your defensive rate. That, that's going to become a bit of a double-edged sword that they have to figure out um, as the season goes, if they're not converting for stands, you can't go hurry up offense, and you, your 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 defense is going to be gassed. The time of possession differential in this game right. was way too big. No, I, I completely agree with you, and you know I, I think you, you're spot on with it. Doesn't matter, right? If if the offense can't generate points, three is going to be more than zero. So they're going to have to figure. Uh, I think they do have to figure some things out on the offensive line. 
Another bright spot that we didn't address is I thought Miles Gaskin looked great. Um, it's you know it's sad to me that he only got nine rushing attempts, um, but it's I thought Miles Gaskin looked really good, and you could see the potential that he has when he's trusted and used. Um, so it was a little disappointing that he didn't get more uh, consistent reps and more carries, but um, what you saw was encouraging. Especially when the strength in this offensive line, the young guys in particular, Kinley Hunt, is run blocking. So All I'd right. like to see more of that, more of that as well. <laughs> Speaking of running, what were your thoughts when Jacoby Brissett came into the game? Did you immediately I... know, okay, they're going to rush him, or did you also start nope. freaking out for a second? Oh, I, I was so angry for like two plays. I was freaking I was, out. Oh, freaking out. I was furious. I was ready to throw uh, my my beer at the TV because I, I thought they were benching two again. And I was like, what what the literal hell are we doing if you're gonna if you're not yeah, gonna trust like him? And and I get that, you know, you probably want Brissett to, you know, uh, get those fourth and ones because a bigger body, you know, you don't want it hurt to get hurt in that in the pile, but you know, I just – why did you have to do that to me? Like, Brian Flores, like, did you – and then the play after. That was that was dumb, all right? So yeah. I get the strategic side of bringing your big-body quarterback in for the first uh, – for that one-yard run. I do not think it's smart to keep him in for another play and try and draw the clock out because there, there's no way that's going to work. It's a random guy you brought in at, in the middle of nowhere. You expect the offensive line to just totally be in tune with what he's doing. It makes no sense. At least it wasn't as dumb as what happened with the Raiders last night when they put the kicker out there. Did you see this when they put the kicker out there? And uh, I know it got late last night with that Monday from Williams. I don't know if you had to see the whole thing. I did the not. Raiders in overtime go to put their kicker out to kick the, uh, the game-winning field goal like towards the end of overtime, but they didn't realize that they were out of timeouts. So the Raiders, uh, the kicker's not even like lined up yet, and the flag's out for for the late game. And then the offense had to come back out onto the field because they're five yards back with them. Two for Adam Field Orange. It was it was a, a Raiders John Gruden moment through and through. So it wasn't, but it's wasn't okay. As bad as what happened to us. It, but it's okay because they won, just like with us. It they won. It was <laughs> the wildest of finishes. If you haven't seen the highlights on that on that overtime yet, you need to you need to go watch that. And most importantly, this is a public service announcement. Every Monday that they have Manning and Manning on Monday Night Football. Flip to ESPN too. I have all the respect in the world for Steve Levy and Brian Greasy and Lewis Riddick and what they do as a trio on Monday Night Football and the traditional broadcast. But the Manning and Manning show was, I think they're calling it uh, Peyton and Eli on Monday Night or something like that. It was phenomenal. They just have guest star after guest star coming through. And they're not like play-by-play color commentating the game. They're really just sitting back. Peyton and Eli, like as brothers, just talking football with the likes of Travis Kelsey and Russell Wilson. And uh, there were a couple other stars that went through there, and it was just fantastic. At one point, um, Peyton Manning, knowing that, that Travis Kelsey plays the Ravens next week, she was like, Travis, are you, know, are you watching this game, specifically looking like for film and for things to look out for so you know how to attack this defense next week? He's like, no, not really, and I'm just you know, sort of watching as a – as a fan, you know, we're playing the Chargers next week, so I don't really think it's a huge deal. And then, like, you see his face, all of a sudden, you realize, like, oh, shoot, are we, are we playing the Ravens next week? And he's, like, totally serious. 
<laughs> totally serious. He's like, oh shit, are we are we playing Baltimore next week? And then like five minutes later, Peyton's like, yeah, all right, Travis, thanks for coming on. Make sure you don't fly to uh, make sure you don't fly to LA next week. Make sure you end up. <laughs> it was fantastic. It was that, that kind of thing back and forth the entire night. I definitely, definitely recommend for everyone that the Manning Manning broadcast was a total, total home run. I hope they do the Dolphins Monday night game. I think they have ten more games this year. They haven't announced which ones. I hope they do the Dolphins Monday night game uh, later in the year because it was just it was phenomenal. Phenomenal. That sounds awesome. Speaking of future weeks, we got the Bills next week. It's Miami's home oh. Buffalo just got. Um, they're asking to by Pittsburgh. It's another way to say yeah, the offense I, I, in Buffalo was bad. The defense started out well, but then uh, couldn't close out. I mean, what do you what do you what do you make of that? Of the of the Buffalo game, yeah, and what that means for Miami and what it means for the so what it means for um, well, it, it gives you a little bit of a blueprint, right, as to what Miami will need to do to win. Um, and it just so happens to be one of the things that I have just mentioned that I'm concerned about with this entire team, um, and it's generating consistent pressure. Um, you know, Josh Allen has been in the league for this is his fourth year. So he's played Miami uh, six times, right? He's five and one against Miami, which is really bad. Um, and it's mostly because we have always struggled to contain uh, these uber-athletic quarterbacks who can c- extend plays. Um, the best way to combat that is to contain, right, to contain these quarterbacks. Miami has not done a good job at doing that, but Pittsburgh did. And you can see that Josh Allen – goes from MVP candidate to normal starting quarterback uh, pretty quickly if you can generate pressure on him consistently and force him to be uh, – force him into those really dumb decisions that he can sometimes be prone to making. Um, so Miami's that, – that's how they're going to beat Buffalo this week. They're going to have to – Agba, Van Ginkle, Phillips, all those guys that we just mentioned, they're going to really need to to step up their, their play because if they can't generate contain – containment pass rushing, um, Josh Allen's going to have a field day again. Yeah, the problem is, though, is that, uh, you know, you could blueprint all you want, but Miami doesn't have T.J. Watt and Cam Hayward. Right, and, you know, 100%. The, the likes of that team, Minka Fitzpatrick, and well, we did. But um, it's <laughs> tough when you don't have – when you don't have – uh, that kind of defensive firepower. Miami has names on defense, but most of them are in the secondary, not in the uh, containing quarterback generating pressure realm of the line, especially after losing Raekwon Davis to injured reserve today. Hopefully that'll be a short-term injury because he was back on the field in his uniform this week. I think I saw it. In the knee brace. I think I saw three to four weeks. Yeah, so that's, I mean, that that's huge news for Miami, especially because, like you said, Middle of the defense, um, you know, you were talking through the air, but on the ground too. Uh, the Dolphins struggled week one. David Harris was kind of gashing them left and right, certainly up the middle. So Raekwon Davis is a big loss. Good thing for Miami, the Bills don't really have much of a running game outside of Josh Allen running himself. Devin Singletary and Matt Breida certainly don't scream. Uh, we're going to pound the rock and run all over you. But, yeah, no, I it, you're right. There is a bit of a blueprint there. It's certainly containing him. Certainly making him uncomfortable, forcing him into bad decisions. But look what happened. Week seven. It's like our teams are all that different than they were week seventeen of last year. You know, 
Right. Right. Yeah, and that's and that's where the concern is, right? Because if if you didn't, so listen, Jalen Phillips is the only name that's new, right? In terms of what we need to do to stop Josh Allen, if he can generate pressure, they might be okay. But um, I'm not ultra concerned about their running game. Um, Raekwon Davis is a pretty big loss, but I'm not ultra concerned about their running game because they just haven't in years been able to get that going. Knock on wood, let's keep it that way. Um, it's all about Allen and keeping Allen contained and taking away his big playability, and then having X shut down Stephon Diggs. If you can do that, I know it's listen. I know it's easier said than done. I get that, but um, if you can do those things, you'll you know you'll have a fighting shot, especially at home against Buffalo. Well, to me, in terms of you know having like it's, it's I don't think that Miami's going to stop Josh Allen from. I, I don't think he's going to score. Only 16 points. I think that's that's kind of a pipe dream. So for me, the key of the game, and we're, it's a lot different than what we saw last year in week 17, was that it's not Matt Collins on the outside. Right. It's not Lynn Bowden on the outside. It's Jalen Waddell, Devontae Parker, and now incoming Will Fuller and Albert Wilson on the outside. And the play that seemed to work the most consistency and most certainty during week one was the quick in slants to Parker and Waddle. I don't know why it wasn't running more, but it seemed to work virtually every time. You put the ball in their hands, these are two of the fastest guys on the field. I know Parker isn't necessarily going for a straight in speed, but go back and watch his 40. He's still, he's still pretty dang fast, and when you get the ball in his hands, you can get a first down. Put it in Waddle and Parker's hands on the quick in slants, and that's two of his best. It's going to be kind of sad, but it, it, it's, it's his best throw. It's where, it's where he's most accurate on the field. Do that over and over and over again. And he's got the timing right with Waddle already, given their chemistry. You do that and matriculate that field and then take the one or two big shots like they did this week. That's, to me, how you get the scoring going and how you keep the drives consistent. There were too many times where they were asking Tua to throw on these out and corner reps this week. And just that's not his strength. He doesn't have the Cannon, Justin Herbert, Josh Allen arm but he is really good at the touch passes in the middle of the field. That's his bread and butter. He puts the ball just in the right spot pretty much every single time if you give him just enough time. So to me, that's, that's how you move the ball down the field and keep Buffalo off of it. No, I, I completely agree with you. Um, you, you because he you get, good, Nick. And he did look good. I would like to. I was going to say something about that earlier. When we were talking about players we liked. I thought Waddle was uh, everything that we expected him to be, and which is all good things. He was. He was quick. He was. Um, he fought for extra yardage. He. You know. He had that drop, but you know he's not Jamar Chase, right? So you know, one is okay. Um, yeah, I thought Waddle looked great. He looked just what he looked like. It was just what this team was missing at the receiver position last year. Him. And it, it, I can't wait to see that continue to develop over the course of the year. But I think going back to your point about the offense, yeah, all this defensive stuff is great. If you're if you're generating touchdown, punt, 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 punt as your offensive drives and then a field goal at the end of the half, it doesn't matter how much you shut Josh Allen down. He's going to score points. So you're going to lose no matter what. You can play the best defensive game. He's going to score some points. You're going to have to do better. Just do better. And I think there's a lot that Miami did well on offense against New England that they can continue to build on. And I think a lot of it was just timing, right? There seemed to be just some moments where plays weren't, like, firing appropriately, right? Like, players weren't turning around fast. 
I think that's all going to be ironed out over the course of this week. It's just whether or not they can execute. Yeah, and listen, I'll eat my words. I wanted Jamar Chase, Devonta Smith, and Kyle Pitts all over uh, Jalen Waddle on draft night, and you stuck to your guns and said that Waddle was the best route for this team, and I know it's only been one week, but it seems like uh, you, hit the, you, know, you hit the nail on the head. He fit like a glove. He fit perfectly. The connection already seems to be there. Actually, I know all three of those wideouts, Chase, Smith, and Waddle looked good in their debuts, all scored touchdowns, all had... 60-plus yards, so it seems like that class is off to a hot start. But in terms of fit, Waddle seems pretty pretty perfect. So I was I was certainly pleased uh, pleased with that that development as well. Um, I'd also like like I mentioned, I'd like to see Miami lean on uh, on Miles Gaskin a little more as well. Malcolm Brown just doesn't have the juice, man. Like I, no. I understand why he's there. He's a pretty good uh, pass protector on third down. And maybe I guess he's bigger, so he could be your short yardage bag. But he just doesn't have the juice. I don't understand why they're handing any of his carries, all of them, every single one, needs to go to Miles Gaskin or even Savon Ahmed, who provides more juice in the running game too. Yeah, uh, I Malcolm Brown. I I don't get it. I, I mean, listen, it's fun to watch the Wildcat every once in a while, and if you need a big body for a one yard gain, I guess that's cool. But like. Why? Why are we doing that? Like, let's let's put the ball in our playmakers' hands. It doesn't have to be runs up the middles with Gaskin and Ahmed. That's probably not where they're going to do their most damage. Take some take some of these more outside directions, right? When it comes to getting them uh, some some carries, hit them out of the backfield. They can do a lot of damage in open space. Use them effectively, uh, and then if you need one yard, you know, do what you got to do with Malcolm Brown, but he should not be on the field outside of that. But can we go back and talk about that for a second? What was that with the Wildcat? Like, it was fun, and it gave me uh, Ronnie Brown Brown flashbacks. That was – what were your thoughts when you saw Tua off the field and Brissett off the field and Malcolm Brown taking direct snaps? I was totally uh, fine with it. I was totally fine with it because the Wildcat I'm cool with. Like, that's fine. That tells me that you still have faith in Tua. Bringing Jacoby Brissett on, I was very angry because I was just like, what are we doing? Like, what's the point? Don't tell me – He's our quarterback, and then bench him. Those are all the thoughts that are going in my in my head at that time. And then he just trotted back out there like that was a plan. And I was like, okay, I'm sorry, guys, I take it back. Um, but the Wildcat stuff, it works. I'm gonna tell you right now, it's, there's gonna be a moment in the next three weeks. It might even be on Sunday. They're gonna run the Wildcat and hit Tua for a touchdown. He's gonna catch a touchdown. I'm telling you right now, it's gonna happen. Wow, there's there's your bold prediction. He sort of pulled the Jake out though. He wasn't really moving or like making. But that's he was gonna move. But that's the Adam Gase wildcat where nobody cared about right. anything. Brian Flores' wildcat is people care. Adam Gase is just like, hey, I saw this once. Let's run it. I don't know if it'll work. Maybe they're like trying to lull the defenses sort of into a sleep on the outside. They're going to watch the film. They're going to say, okay, don't worry about two off to the right. He doesn't move. And all of a sudden, when it's week five against Tampa, the Super Bowl champs, and they need that, that, that trick play score – that's when you get to uh, running around on the outside, Malcolm Brown to Tua for the touchdown. That's that. That's where it's going to happen. Thank you, bold no, My bold prediction is that it's my bold prediction is that it's Sunday. There it is. It's this Sunday against this Sunday against Buffalo. Yep, you got to pull out all the stops to beat Buffalo. And we we have, and you know what? The last couple of years at home, we like to pull up little tricky plays. We have. Can you imagine if 
going into week three, um, you know, myself, you imagine if Miami's 2 0 and Buffalo's 0 2. I don't think New England will be 0 2 because they play the Jets. But <laughs> can you imagine if it's a two game lead on, on Buffalo? All of the ESPNers, all getting... of the ESPNers are going to be going nuts. They're going to do it themselves because they've, they've, they have essentially given this division to Buffalo. I guess for good reason. All offseason. Yeah, I think the world would end a little bit, but I wouldn't get excited about it because I've seen Miami squander three uh, a few years ago. They went three and zero, and then they ended up like seven and nine. And I was like, well, that that was unfortunate. Well, again, that was Adam Gase. Doesn't count. That's true. That's the Gase the Gase version of doing things, which means it's the incorrect way of doing. So score predictions, expectations for uh, for Sunday for Miami? So I'm going to – you know what? It's time for Miami to finally win a game against Josh Allen. They haven't done it in three years. I'm going to go ahead and say Miami wins. I think it's going to be a close game. I'm going to say 24-21 Miami, two catches, the go-ahead touchdown pass after a wildcat – so it's going to be a wildcat play. Albert Wilson is going to come around the other side. He's going to take a pitch right in front of him, and he's going to hit two in the back corner of the end zone. On it right now. All right, Wildcat reverse. Wildcat reverse. The next bull prediction of the week. I'm gonna, I'm gonna. I feel like we can't go two homers on the on the podcast for this week. And as much as I believe in Miami and I want it to happen, Justin, don't do it. I'm I'm trying to speak it into existence. You know, don't all do it. Season. I, I, How are you going to speak it into I existence just, if you go the other way? I tried to speak it into existence all offseason, I'm saying, but now we, you know, given our real predictions, I, I, I'm Buffalo 30, Miami 31. All right, I can't, I can't, yeah, I can't, I can't, I can't, I can't, I can't, I can't, I tried, I tried. I just threw my I'm arms up in the air, like, and, and my fiance looked at me like I'm crazy. So, yes, I'm very proud of you. Make it count. I appreciate it. I, 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 I tried. I'm too positive. I'm too hopeful. I can't. When and you know what? Listen. Bay, things might be different, but not against and you're and, and it's a divisional rival, so you know they're going to play it tough. It's at home in Miami, and Buffalo's coming off a pretty big it. loss. We can convince ourselves. It's there. There's, 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 things, already, there's things to pull at. No, I, I, can I convinced myself weeks ago. <laughs> Buffalo 30, Miami 31. Another one-point victory for, for the Dolphins. I think it's going to be a lot higher scoring than, uh, than last week. I think you know, New England's defense is especially getting guys like Dante Hightower back are, are better than a lot of people gave him credit for because it wasn't so hot towards um, towards the middle and end of last year. So uh, I do think this game is going to be more high scoring, especially because they're getting a much better offense on the other side as well. So... Uh, yeah, I agree. 31 30. I'm going to say that it's a game winning field goal from Jason Sanders as time ah, expires. You're not going as bold as me, yard. huh? No, I'm going 52 yarder for Jason Sanders as time expires. Miami's down 28 30. But old Jason, this is why he got paid the money, right? To knock him through in the clutch moments. I'm going to say he pulls it out of the MVP uh, for the Dolphins in, in this game. In, although, if you're at 28, you're not MVP, but certainly the game winner gets the game ball anyway for for, for pushing it through. That's, that's, that's my score prediction. Any other uh, fun things from week one from around the NFL that you want to you wanna hit? Well, I'm 1-1 one one in fantasy, if that makes anyone feel better. All right. 
I won uh, right. my other league. I lost ours, yeah, which you, was you really did not win our league. I was very, you know, upsetting because if I had played Gronk, I would have won. And oh yeah, you played Zach Ertz over Gronk. Yeah. That was ill-advised. Yes, it was. It was a mistake. It will not happen yeah. again. Yeah, you won't mean it again. Your team, though, I'm telling you, after the yeah, uh, after all the preseason crap you took, losing Michael Thomas. You also happen to have Deshaun Watson in this dynasty league, who you obviously can't play, um, and uh, you're still managing to to field a pretty damn competitive team. So, think, hope is not lost for you after a rough. Not oh no, I, I am not worried at all about my squad. I feel very my I feel very comfortable. I just have to, you know, uh, just Gronk, stupid Gronk. Yeah, listen, I, you can't, I, I certainly uh, uh, did not see Gronk putting up, like, uh, 30 points. So. Yeah, I, I can't really put that on you. But, uh, that, was, that, that, was, that was not a great start. Dolphins, though, sitting atop the AFC East, everyone else 0-1. That's pretty crazy. Aaron Rodgers losing to the New Orleans Saints. What was it, 38-3 or something of the sort? Jameis Winston throwing five touchdowns, zero picks. Pretty, yeah, pretty nice. insane. Are you hitting the panic button insane. on Rodgers after? Uh, do you think he's just lost it after that offseason of chaos? R e l a x. Relax. All right. Well, okay. Then maybe the other way. Well, are you? Well, you said that Jameis Winston is the guy of the future in New Orleans. Uh, well, I mean, I mean, there's no reason to not let him start. Uh, on Sunday, that would be stupid. No, like <laughs> the franchise quarterback future is what. Uh, let's no, I, I'm not ready to announce anybody as a franchise quarterback. You give me after one game. Let's get a couple more to make sure he doesn't start throwing the ball to the other team. All right, you know, let's let's turn this into a bit of a segment. I'm going to give a hot take. You tell me. You tell me if you're going if you're in or out on the hot take. Okay. Okay. Done. We'll, we'll, we'll turn this into a bit of a segment. Tyrod Taylor and the Texans do not finish last in the AFC South after absolutely smacking. The Jacksonville Jaguars. I'm with you. Okay, he's in. I'm, I'm, I'm in on that one. Because, I, you know, everyone was talking about Jacksonville. You know what? The reason we weren't talking about Jacksonville being a dumpster fire this year, which I think is fair to assume they will be, uh, was because we knew or we thought Houston would be worse, right? Um, because we thought they would be a dumpster fire on fire, you know, that's also being struck by lightning at the same time, right? So – the fact that if Houston is not that, they can be better than Jacksonville, who is still many pieces away from being a fully competent defense, right, which is the biggest thing. And Trevor Lawrence is a rookie. As good as he is, he's a rookie. And he didn't. He had, he had a little bit of a roller coaster type day on Sunday. A few touchdowns there. I'll provide some context there. To, uh, to this next one. I'm going to provide some context to this next one. Urban Meyer is apparently pissing everyone off in the Jacksonville building. Players aren't buying in. He's uh, apparently putting all the blame on his assistant coaches when they don't run drills right. Things are kind of just a hot mess. So hot take here, Urban Meyer is out after one season in Jacksonville. Ooh. Ooh, ooh, ooh. That USC job just opened up. So... Oh, man. Um, you know what? I'll join you on that. I'll join you on that. You're in? I, if, if the USC job didn't open up recently, and if Eric Bieniemy doesn't take it, then I could see it happening. So, so like, I am, I am diving. 
like completely and totally into your Houston Texans take, I'm like wading into the waters on that one. I'm, I'm still ankle deep. Okay. 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 But I'm in the water. Seven. But I'm in the water. All right. Fair enough. Okay. I got a couple more. Um, after a very lackluster showing in week one, I'll be a great defense. It's it, it's time. Andy Dalton now, Justin Chills in. Forget waiting. It, it's a go on. on uh, I, 100%. Well, I, I said that two weeks ago. Like that, like, There should be no reason that Andy Dalton should be the starting quarterback of the Bears. Period. Period. It, just, it doesn't help you. You're not going to win football games like this. Yeah. I, I'm in on you with that. I understand the merits, the Patrick Mahomes method, and whatever, but they don't have Alex Smith. They're not. This is not a playoff team right now like it was with Alex Smith. It's not the same. And, and Chicago has a legit shot if they get their offense right to win that division if Green Bay is actually going to take a step back. Like, this is not yeah. the time to, to play around and see if Andy Dalton's going to be good for you. No, put it into Justin Fields' hand. Make it easy for him. Make it easy for him, just like the Patriots do with Mac Jones. And, and Chicago could, if, if Green Bay continues to struggle, could take a nice little lead of, of that division. But I don't think Detroit's going anywhere, and I think Minnesota's, you know, Minnesota's Minnesota. They're kind of in the middle no matter what they do. Okay. Jalen Hurts. Goes out, has a fantastic accuracy percentage, fantastic passer rating. He looks like the real deal. He's against Atlanta. I don't know what that does for you in terms of this calculation, but Justin Fields is the future in Philadelphia. Forget the Deshaun Watson rumors. This is J- right, did I say Justin Fields again. This is Jalen Hurts' show in uh, in Philadelphia, and it's his job for the next five years. Uh, I'm not with you on that. Really? Next five years, that's a big that's a big commitment. Next right. five he, years is a really big commitment. He's the franchise guy. He, next season, the job is this. We'll make it easier. He's he has the rest of the season for sure, unless something completely derails. I think you're going to see a little bit of a coming back to earth this coming Sunday. Okay, because right. the Atlanta Last Falcon one. defense is brutally bad. That is definitely true. That is definitely 100% true. This is certainly not. Like, if you put Jalen Hurts in against New England, he he does not have that game at all. I have Devonta Smith, Dallas Goddard, the O-line's back and healthy. You don't – all right. All right. We'll, we'll wait. That's a wait and see. Nick's not getting in the water just yet. I'm not, not no, in the no. water just yet. I'm on my canoe very happy in that lake. <laughs> all right. This is the last one, uh, last one of the week. Ryan Tannehill and Derrick Henry, that honeymoon period is over. The Titans offense, it's, uh, it looks like it's nowhere to be found right now, and it's not going to get corrected this, this season. Nope, not with you on that either. It's a game. It's one game. Let's all relax. All right. Nick is not only is he in the canoe, he's paddling back to the beach and just getting his I just, away yeah, from that. I just dragged my canoe out of the water on that one. <laughs> You, as your hot takes progressed, I got out of the lake. I started in the lake and just progressively got more out of it. <laughs> I was getting more and more outlandish as we went. That's what, that's what makes it fun. That's what makes it fun. Oh, that's good. All right. Did either of us come prepared with the wildcard question this week? And by either of us, I mean I, I didn't. Did you? Nope. <laughs> okay. Sure did. All right. Then I'm going to provide a quick status update on one of our previous wildcard questions. You and I were talking about the most annoying things we find in terms of, um, like, in traffic – on the road as we're driving sure. our, our, our most our biggest annoyances I have a new one I have a new one my new one and this really only applies to people um, who live in like relatively it's like a you know I wouldn't really call Coral Coral certainly isn't a big city but 
the roads are small enough where this applies. So it wouldn't necessarily apply in, in certain suburbs. The when someone sits in the cross, um, oh my god, in the intersection, couldn't find the word. When someone sits in the intersection because there's not enough space for them to move all the way up because the next light is so far backed up. And so instead of waiting at their light, they go into the intersection, suddenly their light turns red, I'm going perpendicular to them, my light turns green, and I can't freaking go because yeah. they're sitting in the fucking intersection like a dumbass <laughs> and won't, they won't wait their turn. So now I can't yeah. go. My light goes all the way from green to red because I can't get around them. And we're all sitting there like a bunch of dumbasses for the for, for the next three to four minutes. Well, I have somewhere to be, Nick. I have somewhere to be. And now I'm just Justin, I'm so with you, man. That's that's infuriating. That's infuriating. Worse. And you know, you know what's funny is it seems like that's part of the driving test here in New York because everybody does it. It's really it's really bad. Any, anytime you hear honking in New York City, it's because somebody probably did that. The reason it's so damn stupid is It's just wait 30 seconds. They haven't. There's no, no, but there's nowhere they can go. You're either going to be 10 feet forward or 10 feet back. It's not like you could go anywhere. The other light is red. The <laughs> next light is red. You can't go. Yeah. Good times. Good That's time. my update. I think last time I said it was when the person in front of me at the red light is on their phone and they don't, and they don't move. That I have not updated it to. Because that's like sort of a, a, a seven to eight second nuisance. If that, you know, if you're impatient with your horn, it's like a four second nuisance. This is a hell of a lot worse because you're now sitting there for several, you know, tens of seconds, if not more than a minute, if they, if you just can't go. And it's, it's, it's significantly worse. Yeah, I, I mean, you know what? I, I'm not going to take away my, uh, when the light turns green and I immediately get honked at. Um, I'm not going to take the opposite that. of my initial complaint. Yes, it, it, again, you just, I'm sitting there. I'm ready to roll. It's just my foot literally moves only so, like, I can't speed it up. If I'm, like, I don't know what you want me to do. Don't honk at me if it turns green. You're not looking for G-forces on this ride. Right, I'm not, it, exactly, like, chill the fuck out. <laughs> but I do agree right. that that's a pain in the butt. Yeah, no, it's 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 frustrating. It's very frustrating. Well, on that bombshell, that's how we'll end. Uh, that's how we'll end <laughs> this episode. All right, there we go. All right, all right, all right. All right. Well, we uh, we recorded this episode live on Spotify Green Room. Make sure to uh, download Spotify Green Room on the App Store. Jump in and listen to us live. We'll uh, be posting these shows on our Twitter, especially when we're going live. So make sure. To stay tuned to those. I'm at higher Justin H I E R Justin. He is at O S O six four four six. Still, I don't know why. I don't think I'll ever get the answer as to why. But Nick on Twitter is at O S O six four four six. This episode will be up on all our platforms within the next twenty four hours, and we'll be back, of course, uh, later uh, next week to break down much more NFL and Miami Dolphins content for you, so be sure to uh, follow Pick Up Blitz on all of your podcasting platforms wherever you get your podcasts, but until then, thank you very much for listening, and we'll see you next time. Thanks, everybody.